The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com. Episode 25, Sedona, Arizona. I arrived in Sedona yesterday about 2 p.m. after a rather long and arduous drive, although I have to admit that the last portion of the drive, once you start the descent down into Oak Canyon, is truly life-changing. It is one of the most phenomenal driving experiences I have ever had in my lifetime. And once down inside the canyon, there's still a long drive until you reach Sedona, and that drive is spectacular as well. But then, at least for me, once I reached Sedona itself, the town of Sedona, and I kind of came around this bend and there was the town, I have to admit that everything that I just experienced, and the calm and the inspirational and the overwhelming awe of it all, vanished in a millisecond because there I was in the middle of downtown Sedona and it was jam-packed with people and cars and shops and everything else. Fortunately, my hotel is seven miles south of downtown Sedona and out here it's a bit more laid back, a bit more easygoing. But the other great advantage to that seven-mile stretch is it took me through some of the most spectacular landscapes that I have ever seen in my life. These massive mountainous red rocks that were just glowing in the sun and you could feel them. It was, I want to say awe-inspiring or amazing, but there is truly no word to describe it. In fact, this morning I made my way to one area just to watch the sun come up. And after the sun did rise and I was sitting there for a bit longer, this woman who had been sitting off to my right about 80 yards or so had come walking by and she stopped to say hello, to say good morning. And she said something about, you know, this place. And I said, yeah, I said, it is just, just wow. Wow was the only word that I could come out with. And she looked at me and smiled and she said, yeah, that about sums it up, doesn't it? And that is the thing. There are really no words that I know of in the English language, no adjectives that can describe the landscape and the power and the beauty of the landscape that surrounds this area. As I just mentioned, I had gone out early this morning to watch the sunrise and to photograph it as well. And I spent probably about an hour, hour and a half out there getting there just right before the sun peaked up above the mountains. So there was this nice, easy, soft glow to everything. And then once the sun came up, clouds moved in and so the sun was intermittent in its brilliance but it was great for a photographic opportunity or for photographic opportunities plural because the light kept shifting it was shifting back and forth between brilliance and great contrast and soft light and I just found myself again in awe as I made the photographs when I finished I came back to the hotel which was only about three miles down the road I came in, I had breakfast, and I went up to my room and downloaded the images and did a rough edit, 
got some ready for social media, and then I was feeling a bit antsy. I just needed to get out, and I knew that the light was not good right now anywhere for photographing. So I grabbed my phone, and I Googled searched for a cafe or a coffee shop nearby. What I found was a place called the Village Grind. First of all, it was only about a mile from my hotel, so that was a great perk. Even though I was driving, I just didn't want to drive in any traffic any further than I had to. But I looked at the reviews, and the reviews were good, so I drove down. When I went inside, immediately, I was just taken back by this place. It was just plain fantastic. The guy at the counter that greeted me, his name is Mike, and he was so personable. He was he was inviting and genuine and upbeat and just made me feel like I was a regular customer that came in there every day for a year now, even though this was my first visit. The other guy who was off to the right making sandwiches was introduced to me as not Mike, although later I found out his name was Jeff, and he was equally as fantastic. These two guys together created an atmosphere that was just inviting and relaxing. I ordered just a cup of coffee because I had already eaten breakfast at the hotel, although once I saw the sandwiches, I was a little disappointed that I didn't wait. But anyhow, I sat at the table and I was just watching as things transpired there, the people coming and going, some people staying, and the interaction between the different people and these, these two guys behind the counter. And then at one point when the business sort of died down a little bit, there was a lull. I walked up to the counter and I talked with Mike and not Mike, and I said that I would like to make a photograph of them, and they obliged me almost immediately and came out and sat at the table. I made the photograph, and they asked me, you know, why and, and what was I working on, and I told them about the In Search of America project, and then the guy that was seated at the table to my left then started to kind of chime in and he was interested and he asked me about the project. So we, be, we began talking. And then, you know, Mike and not Mike had to go back to work, but I sat talking with the guy beside me and we got into these amazing conversations. The guy beside me, his name is Tony Maroney. And I kid you not, Tony Maroney, a great Italian guy from Long Island, but now relocated to Sedona and he's a, a plant broker. Uh, as in as in growing plants, not an industrial plant. And we spent probably about an hour and a half talking about all kinds of things. At first, Tony started talking to me about the problems with politics and religion coming into conversations and how they both both subjects tend to really bung things up and that people get along until they start talking about either politics and or religion. But then we got talking about all these other things. He, at one point, he went on about a water purification system called uh, hydro something or other. Anyhow, it's this, this, this simple device that uses palladium to kind of deionize the water or to do what salt uh, is normally used for in water to soften it and how this works so much better. He's going into all the, the, the details, all the chemistry behind this and all the technology and the science. And then we went on to talk about how oil was formed. You know, for decades, for centuries, really, the prevailing theory has been that oil has come from the decaying dinosaurs that died billions of years ago and then it turned into carbon and we now have oil from that. But Tony said that even when he was a little kid, he thought, wow, with all the oil we're pumping out, there must have been one hell of a lot of dinosaurs. 
He said, but then research is now finding that it was actually plankton. That the seas back in prehistoric time, just like they are today, were filled with plankton. But then when water temperatures began to rise, the fish began to die off and the plankton thrived. But the problem is the plankton thrived too much. And they became so abundant that they actually began dying off from their own toxicity, the toxicity of their waste. And because of this, when they all died in mass and they sunk down to the bottom, and then they decayed and they became carbon, that became oil. And that to me made a whole lot more sense. So anyhow, now we are fueling our cars with an overabundance of dead plankton instead of dead dinosaurs. But again, it was this amazing series of conversations on a variety of subjects from something that would seem so normal to something that was really kind of out there. And that is one of the great blessings of cafes, of coffee shops all over the world. This is what cafes do. They, If they are done right, they spark a community, an environment to nurture these conversations where people can talk without kind of the BS of, of, of the politics and the religion, and they can just have legitimate conversations. And if they are great conversationalists and they are open-minded, they can even talk about politics and religion to some extent without getting all whacked out. And this is what we have moved away from more and more. And I think it's in large part because of social media and of television. We're so glued to the television of people telling us what to think in social media where we don't interact with anyone face-to-face -face or in person that we have gotten away from these kinds of conversations. And I have to tell you, this was invigorating. It was so invigorating. And on top of it, I walked away from this conversation this morning with Tony Maroney having learned so much. I gained knowledge. I gained insight. And I gained inspiration just by having a conversation with a total stranger in a cafe in a town that I have never been to before. It's the following morning since I finished the previous section of the podcast. And I wanted to add to it because there has been quite a bit that's happened since then. After leaving the village grind yesterday morning and my long conversation with Tony Moroni, I decided to go exploring in part because Tony had recommended a couple of locations to me. I headed back out onto Highway 179, headed north for one or two turnabouts, I can't remember now. Anyhow, I turned left onto Verde School Road, and this road kind of wound itself through a residential area. But after about two, I don't know, maybe three miles, the paved road ended and turned into a gravel road. And thank goodness I had the expedition, so I continued driving on. And then all of a the sudden, these amazing vistas opened up again and these massive rock formations that you see everywhere. So I pulled into a little parking area, got out, made several more photographs. Then I returned to the hotel so that I could upload all of the images, make a few notes from the morning's conversations at the Village Grind, and also to do the podcast episode that you heard just before this. Then that restless feeling returned and I had to get back outside. I had to return to exploring this area, in part because I wasn't going to be here much longer. So I went out, I drove back down Highway 179, heading north again, because there were a couple of locations that I was already aware of, and one of those was from the morning, from yesterday morning, where I photographed the sunrise. 
As I returned back up to the plateau where I had been yesterday morning, the sun was now in the opposite direction. It was now illuminating the, the rock facades that were in shadow earlier yesterday morning. But now there was also a really strong wind, which was a great relief because it brought this amazingly refreshing cool air. There was almost a constant flow. The problem was is that when the wind blows hard here, it keeps a fine dust suspended in the air. And that I have to be really careful of with the glass of the lenses because it's in effect sandblasting the glass. I spent a little over an hour at this location just photographing all the nuances of the changing light because now it was late in the day. It was probably around 4, 4.45, somewhere around there. And the light was just shifting little by little as it was going lower in the sky. And again, there were these subtle changes in the rock and in the color of the rock and in the shadows. And it was absolutely spectacular. Feeling that I had photographed about everything that I could from this location, I made my way back down the trail, which was, I don't know, a quarter mile, maybe a little bit more. But the trails in the, the little park areas that they have set up here in Sedona are just completely natural. There's no paving. There's no gravel put on them. They are just raw, natural trails that make their way through the landscape. And it is truly an absolute pleasure to walk along these. I returned once again to the hotel and I have to admit I was thoroughly exhausted but in the most wonderful of ways. But I was also quite famished. But thankfully there was a restaurant within walking distance and when I say within walking distance that's a bit misleading because it was actually about 30 yards from the entrance of the hotel. So after downloading more images, showering and just taking a break for a few minutes, I walked over to the restaurant. The name of the restaurant is A Taste of Marrakesh, and I had had dinner there the night before, so I already knew that the food was good. The night before, I had had a gyro for dinner, or a gyro, or a gyro, depending on how you pronounce it. But anyhow, it was really good. And when I was talking to Brian, who is the chef and, and one of the two owners of the restaurant, he was telling me that it's really good as a salad. And I thought, oh, okay. So last night I tried it as a salad. I just had the gyro meat and the, 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 the yogurt dressing and I had that over lettuce. And I have to tell you, it was over the top delicious. This little restaurant that's sort of tucked away and you can't see it from the road is, as my, my waitress Pepper told me last night, a gem in the rough. And she couldn't have been more accurate with that description. This place is truly just as wonderful little gem that begs discovery and once you've discovered it it's like you've reached this other world of culinary delight and both nights i sat outside in this little patio courtyard that they have but the view is absolutely amazing again you know that's kind of kind of a redundant statement here in sedona but because everywhere you go the view is amazing but i'm sitting in this little courtyard patio and I'm looking at these massive rocks. They're just glowing in the sunset. And it is truly, again, it is just truly spectacular. That's the only word I can use right now for it. And then things turned really interesting. Just as I was finishing my meal, a young gentleman came for dinner, sat at the table beside me just to my right. Later, I was to find out his name is Gabriel. But anyhow, Gabriel sat down looked over the menu, had his questions, ordered his meal, and I decided to have a cup of coffee. Indulgently and selfishly, 
just so I could enjoy this view a bit longer. But then, somehow, and I truly don't remember how it began, Gabriel and I began to have a conversation. It was almost like a carbon copy of what had happened at the village grind earlier yesterday morning. And again, like my conversation earlier yesterday morning with Tony Moroni, our conversation was varied and from one subject to another. And then he told me about Cathedral Rock at night. This was something that I was completely unaware of. And to say the least, my ears perked up. With that, Gabriel gave me detailed directions on how to get there at night. Originally, I thought I would just go about 2 or 3 a.m. And when I went back to my hotel and kind of prepped for this a little bit, it dawned on me that I had to get up early this morning and drive all the way to Tucson. So I thought going at 2 or 3 a.m. may not be the best idea. So I left early. In fact, I left within 30 minutes of leaving the restaurant. I headed back out once again to Highway 179, and again I headed north. I went about four miles, give or take, and entered one of the many turnabouts that there are on this highway, and I veered off to the left onto a road whose name I truly don't remember, and I headed down this road for just under a mile, maybe about three-quarters of a mile, and again, this was a really windy, twisty road, and it was very dark because there are no street lights there, there, are no, there was no moon up, and I looked for a parking area that I was told would be on the left side, and sure enough, there it was, I saw a sign for it, turned left into this dirt parking lot, got out, put on my headlamp, got my camera equipment, got the tripod, and then searched for the trailhead. Again, the darkness was significant. It was so dark that you literally could not see your hand in front of your face. And the, the beam from the headlight was narrow, or the beam from the, the headlamp was narrow. And so finding the trail was really difficult. I remember Gabriel telling me that once I found the trailhead and started onto the trail, it would drop down into a wash. And a wash is kind of a, a, a stream bed, and most cases are dried up, and this one had just a little bit of water in. But anyhow, I found the trail that took me down to this wash, which was only oh, probably about 15 yards away from where I actually parked. And I crossed over this wash that, again, was, was mostly dry. There was a little bit of water in it. And then when I came up the bank on the other side, the far side of this wash, there was no marker for the trail. There was no sign. There was no stick. There was nothing. So I wandered around for quite some time in this narrow beam of light looking for anything that looked like a trail. This was truly an adventure in the making. After meandering back and forth from side to side, weaving all over, looking for something again that looked like a trail, I traveled probably about 50 or 60 yards and realized that I was way off track. So I turned around and kind of made my way back to where I initially made this decision to depart and looked around further to my left. And sure enough, I found something that resembled a trailhead. And thankfully, I was correct. As I moved further and further along this area that seemed to be a trail, it became much clearer that I was indeed correct. After about eight or nine minutes of a steady upward climb along this somewhat rugged trail, I reached an area called the Plateau. The Plateau is the top of this enormous red rock boulder. 
And as you stand there, the vista to the east is just expansive. And then as you turn to the west, there is Cathedral Rock in a shadow, a silhouette, standing right in front of you. It may sound cliche, but it was, it was like a scene directly out of Close Encounters. And I mean that sincerely. And above, the sky was just illuminated with millions and millions of stars. And then coming directly over Cathedral Rock, heading from the west to the east or the east to the west, was the Milky Way. I mean, this was truly a magical experience. For the next hour and a half, give or take, I made a series of photographs and I experimented. This was a great opportunity to, to do so. And with some of the exposures, I wanted them shorter so that the stars were remaining motionless. And in other exposures, I wanted them long so that the stars would trail through the sky. And in each case, the rock photographed so majestically. It just, it was as, it was as if it glowed. After I finished photographing, I gathered things together, put my headlamp back on, turned it on, and made my way back down the trail. For some reason, going down the trail was much easier to see than coming up, and plus I kind of had an idea of what I was looking for. The only problem I ran into is when I got back down to the wash, and I made my way across the wash, is I couldn't find a trail that took me back up to the parking lot, even though it was only about 15 yards long. I had to make a few attempts because each time I went up what I thought was a trail, I got to a fence line, a barbed wire fence, so I had to go back down. But again, it just added to the overall adventure. And what a profound and exhilarating adventure it was. I highly recommend that if you ever come to Sedona, even if you have no interest in making photographs whatsoever, is do this hike, come to Cathedral Rock, come there at night, bring a headlamp, find the trail, make your way up to the plateau, and just hang there for a while. Trust me, it is truly one of the most magical experiences that you will ever have in a lifetime. Within the next hour, I will once again have the expedition completely repacked and ready to go, and I will be heading out of Sedona on my way to Tucson. The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com.